What do they say on podcasts? Today's episode is the second in a series. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to it now. Well, today's sermon's like that. It's a follow-up to last week, so if you weren't here last week, go back. No, wait, don't go back. Don't pull out your phone right now. If you're online, you could go back and listen to last week's sermon. The rest of you, you're just going to have to hear them out of order if you were not in the sanctuary last week. Last week, we began our series on mental illness in America, and then on Monday night, about 30 people from St. Paul's gathered up in a deliberative dialogue to talk about mental illness in America and what can be done to help. We were a good mix in the room with the folks who've been here a very long time and some people who are quite new. We had a range of ages. We had a mix of reasons that people came. There were people who have family members that struggle with mental illness. Some struggle themselves and take medication or get regular therapy. Some people who were there don't have regular personal experience, but they just wanted to learn and they wanted to reflect. And I was especially grateful that we had three church members attend the meeting who are mental health providers, and their perspective and their expertise was just invaluable to the conversation. I wonder, though, what is your personal stake in this? How close does mental illness feel to your life? Maybe your experience doesn't go very much further than seeing the abundance of commercials on television for depression or anxiety medication. Or maybe it's a lot more personal for you. Maybe you have a teenager in your family who has attempted suicide and spent a week in the hospital on the psych floor. Or maybe you've had to watch a grandparent or a parent slip away into their own reality as their dementia grows worse. Maybe you know someone who struggles with an eating disorder. Have you ever had to search and search to find care for someone you love who struggles with mental illness and then figure out how to pay for it? If you've had any of those experiences, I wonder how many people in your circle, how many of your friends, how many of your coworkers know those stories? I would guess not very many because they're hard to talk about. For the most part, we keep the stories of mental illness to ourselves. They're hard to talk about because we know the stigma is real and we want to protect the people we love. As I thought this week about all the places that I, as a pastor, have seen up close struggles with mental illness, I debated about what I could tell you about those stories and those people. How to talk about parishioners or friends or colleagues that I know who have had mental illness touch their lives directly. And the truth is, I couldn't figure out a way to share the stories in a way that protected the individuals and ensured care for them, especially because the internet is right there. So, no detailed sermon illustrations from me today. And the struggle about that, about how to, how to share stories about that, is not because I think mental illness is embarrassing or something of which we should be ashamed. I don't think those things at all. But we don't talk openly and freely about mental illness. We just don't. I mean, how often have you seen a post on Facebook or Instagram about a diagnosed mental illness? We suffer with our loved ones without really sharing that story outside of a very tight circle of care. And recognizing the stigma that surrounds it and wanting to combat that was actually a key driver and a place of common ground for our church members that gathered on Monday night. We recognized how much stigma adds to the weight of mental illness and how it inhibits people from seeking care. One of our mental health professionals that was there shared that something like two-thirds of people with mental health concerns don't get help. 
But of the people who do seek out help, something like 95% of them are glad that they did. So in our dialogue, we recognize there are a lot of barriers to people accessing care when they're suffering from mental illness. Cost can be prohibitive. That's why we see emergency rooms become the place of last resort for too many people who haven't been able to get the care they needed earlier. Even if someone has insurance, finding a provider without a huge wait time and navigating the complexities of the healthcare system can be difficult, especially when you're struggling with mental illness. If you don't have caregivers in your life that are willing to help, it could be near impossible. Then there's the stigma of, of getting a diagnosis and having that as a label that can be a problem when you go seek employment later or in other settings. And of course, one size doesn't fit all. We talked about how mental illness, it can be difficult to treat and treatments themselves can produce side effects that cause trouble. I mean, I have known people, and I'm sure you have too, who hate the way their medication makes them feel. And so they choose to live with the highs and lows of their mental illness rather than their medication. But even with all of that, our conversation on Monday night, it felt hopeful to me. It felt very hopeful. Because we had a group of people who wanted to take mental illness seriously and to be a place of safety and trust for people and families who are affected. And I am really, really glad for that. Because it felt to me like a faithful response. It felt to me like a response that tries to be the reflection of God's own response to people suffering from mental illness in the world. And what is God's response to people suffering from mental illness? Well, the Bible, it doesn't say anything about specific diagnosed um, anxiety or depression or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. We're not going to find those things in the Bible. They didn't have those words because they didn't have a scientific understanding of the body and the mind like we do today. I mean, there's still so much we don't understand about why mental illness happens, but we know a whole lot more about the mechanics of it than the people did in the first century. So, the Bible doesn't speak directly to things that appear in the DSM-5, but it does speak to us about who God is and who we are and who we are in relationship to God. And what the Bible gives us is a very strong word of hope, especially for people who are suffering, including people who are suffering from mental illness. So to hear that word of hope, I've suggested today that we turn to Psalm 139, one of the most important passages in all of Scripture to help us understand what it means to say that God loves us unconditionally. And that's the bottom line word of hope for anyone who's struggling with mental illness. God loves us unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. Your illness, your struggles, your pain, your trial, none of that makes you any less lovable to God. Now, Psalm 139 is a poem about knowing, right? It reminds us that God knows us completely, intimately. And that means that we can be vulnerable with God and we can share even the hardest parts of our lives, our thoughts, our struggles. God doesn't get scared off by any of it. The psalmist tells us that God knows not just what's on the outside, not just what we say and do like other people can see. God knows what's on the inside of us too. God knows what rumbles around in our heads. God knows the whispers of our spirit. God knows the swoons and swells of our hearts. God knows us inside and out, forward and backward, up and down. God knows us as well as we know ourselves. Perhaps God even knows us better than we know ourselves. Should that scare us? I don't think so. God's not stalking us, okay? 
God just knows us. God's not spying on us. It's just part of God's nature to know us that well. Something for us to just recognize and embrace, not be worried about. And the way we embrace that knowing is by being vulnerable to God. God already knows, so we might as well tell God what we're thinking and what we're worried about, what we're struggling with. God already knows, so we might as well tell God what's inside of us, even the thoughts and feelings that feel almost too risky to say out loud. God already knows. So we can share every part of ourselves with God through prayer. God already knows. And, and we, we pray to God, not because God needs an update, but because we need to share. We need to share even the most tender and vulnerable parts of ourselves. Being vulnerable and real with God and then with others is a key part of getting help when we struggle with mental illness. But for all of us, vulnerability is a healthy part of life. To share ourselves with others, to be seen by them, to be loved by them. And I believe that when we share vulnerably with God in prayer, it's often the first step to sharing our struggles and our troubles with other people. Reaching out to people who can support us, help us, love us. Vulnerability is scary, but God is trustworthy. And we can be vulnerable with God because God knows us completely, intimately. Now, secondly, Psalm 139, it reminds us that there's nowhere we can hide from God, so we might as well stop trying. The psalmist says this so beautifully, where could I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you would be there too. If I could fly on the wings of the dawn, stopping to rest on the far side of the ocean, even there your hand would guide me, your strong hand would hold me tight. If I say darkness will definitely hide me, the light around me become night, even darkness is not dark to you, the psalmist says. Nighttime would shine as bright as the day because darkness is the same as light to you. We can't hide from God. We may think that we've hidden from God, that we've gone under a cloak of darkness, that we've cut God off, that we don't believe in God anymore, or we don't want anything to do with God. We've written God off. We've left God behind. But God isn't fooled. God doesn't stop seeing us. We can't hide from God, and we can't run away from God. We can't put distance between ourselves and God. We like to think that we can. We like to think that we can turn our back on God and run far, far away to a distant place where we can't be found, that we can neglect God, that we can stop praying, that we don't read the Bible, that we don't go to worship. We may think that we have done so little to pay attention to God that God must be so far away from us. Or we may think we've done something so terrible that God will never take us back that we've screwed up so badly, that we've made such poor choices, that we've broken so many relationships, that we've hurt other people so much that God would want nothing to do with us, and there's this distance, this uncrossable chasm between us and God. But you know what? There isn't. It's not there. Just when we think that we are so far off and alone that we can't ever find God again, all we have to do is turn around and God is right there. God is never far away. God is never out of reach. God is never off in some distant country. God is right here, right beside us, just waiting for us to turn around, just waiting for us to want to come back. All we do is turn around, and God is there. 
to welcome us home. Nowhere we can hide from God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And finally, the psalmist tells us, we are wonderfully and beautifully made, and God cherishes us. You, you are a marvel. Your body is a tremendous, beautiful, powerful, holy thing. And that is something that can be very hard for people struggling with mental illness to hold on to, because in so many ways it can feel like their body is betraying them. And it's true that our bodies can cause us great pain and we can get really sick, but also our beautiful bodies work in different ways and our bodies have the capacity to heal, to be restored. Our Christian faith tells us that God gave us these bodies as a gift. God is a creator of our bodies. God designed our bodies and God likes them. You may not like your body sometimes, but God does. Remember, in Genesis, God, God made all things and God called them good. That includes you and me and these bodies that we live inside. We are wonderfully and beautifully made and God cherishes us. So in the light of these truths about God and about ourselves, and with the concern we have over people with mental illness, what are we to do as people of faith? Well, on Monday night, we placed a high priority on compassion Compassion for individuals who are suffering from mental illness. We said, we want to see their struggle, and we want to be places of safety and hope. We want to preserve dignity and give respect for those suffering from mental illness and reduce stigma and fear. And we recognize just how important it is to talk out loud about mental illness and to say that we want a church, we want our church, we want St. Paul's to be a safe place for people who are suffering from mental illness and their families. We want it to be a safe place where people can feel support and tell their stories. And I would say, in whatever manner we manage to do that, we will be reflecting the love of God, that love that we hear about in Psalm 139. And you remember that reflecting the love of God is integral to our mission at St. Paul's. So in order to do that, we want the conversation to continue. We want to continue to have card conversations about uh, ways to be safe and respectful and how we can be a role model for reducing stigma and being willing to talk about mental illness. We talked about having perhaps a special offering to support agencies to help those who suffer from mental illness and to find places in the community to volunteer where people with mental illness come for help. We said we want to continue to pray for all those we know in our community who struggle today with a load of mental illness. So my prayer is that this preaching in the Purple Zone process will help us all be more aware and sensitive to the load that mental illness can create on the people around us. Perhaps it will help us hear the stories of those close to us who've been struggling. Perhaps it will help us tell our own story in the right place and time in a way that encourages uh, awareness and support. Perhaps God will send people to us who need exactly this kind of support because we have shown that we're open and we want to help. I trust that the Holy Spirit will continue to grow the conversation in us and among us in the months ahead. God knows us, God is with us, and God loves us. No matter the challenges that face us, this is the sure and certain hope that we have for today. So may God bring blessings to help all those who live with the load of mental illness 
And may God help us show love in all ways that we can. Thanks be to God. Amen.